Welcome to Let's Talk Tourism, the best local tourism podcast to keep your finger on the pulse of our rapidly changing industry. Join your industry expert hosts, Gabby Daniels and Katie Hogan, each Friday morning. Let's Talk Tourism. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Levart. Levart provides website, booking engine and channel management technology to accommodation properties throughout the Asia-Pacific region. Their aim is to empower every property with the ability to disrupt the dominance of online travel agents and transform direct into their most attractive and popular booking channel. Levart solutions are easy to implement, simple to use, cost effective and they provide comprehensive support from their client success team based in Australia. Welcome to the Let's Talk Tourism podcast. I am your host, Katie Hoken. And I'm Gabby Daniels. And today with us, we have Michael Skinner, the General Manager at Elements of Byron. He brings over 30 years hotel and hospitality experience to the role at GM of Byron Bay's Showcase Beachfront Resort. With an employment history spanning major hotels to family-owned operations in regional Australia, he contributes a solid expertise in operations and development. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today to talk tourism. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure and an honour to be um, bestowed on to to attend this session. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. So great to have you here today. Can I first start by talking to you more about Byron Bay's beachfront resort elements of Byron and also to talk about how the property is currently performing? Yeah, thanks, Gabby. Look, uh, Elements started up um, trading just uh, nearly five years ago now, and we've been um, um, performing exceptionally well over the last five years, and it's been a been a journey to get to where we are now. Uh, the business started with a slightly different model than what it is currently. We were smaller than what we are now. We right. in, um, invested into more villas um, about 18 months into trading, so we expanded the size. In fact, we doubled the size Within um, 18 months, wow. Yeah, within the first 18 months. Wow, no messing around. No, it was always part of the plan, but okay. w- rather than deliver it at the beginning, it was planned that way to deliver it um, a few years into the trade. And that was great because we were able to work out our dynamics, we'll be able to work out a bit of our operating processes and uh, the type of things that were important to the customer. So we were able to modify. And, you know, prime example of that was that uh, we, ha- we had a kids' play area scoped as part of the development mm. and then we stopped around and looked and said, well, you know, kids and um, play areas are great things. They are appealing to the audience and to the consumer. But what's really going to make a difference um, was an adults-only pool. So we converted it into an adult-only pool yeah, and everyone right. looked at it at the time and said, why do that? Kids, it's all about the kids. Give the kids playgrounds. I said, oh, let's give the adults a playground. So, of course, we ended up building a $2.5 million adults-only pool with I'm a swim-up bar. I'm all for that decision. Well done. No. <laughs> it's been a very popular decision, let me tell you. I can yeah. imagine. So what are we looking at total now then? How many villas? 202 villas. Right. So we can we, – our, our, 99 of them are uh, – two-bedroom villas, so the capacity or the density of the resort can get up to well over 500 people. In fact, um, we usually have 520, 530 on the books, but there's always a lot more than what we anticipated. Well, it's probably hard to control because of the, I guess, the property is quite unique in terms of the villa styles and how, you know, they are their own little residence, I guess, too. People drive in, they've got their own little car park next to their, their villas. Um, as well so I guess in terms and it's quite a um, 
I don't know how many hectares or, you know, that the property's on, but it's a significant size and you don't feel like, and that's what I love about the property. I've stayed there a couple of times and I just love the sense that when you go there, you don't feel like you're staying with other guests. You know, you feel like you're in your own um, holiday apartment, but it's your own little villa um, beachside. Yeah, that's very, very true. And we hear that comment and that feedback quite consistently that you're not very busy, are you? Um, when we're running at full capacity. That's so true. That no, it's around. Re- it's quiet, isn't Where it? Where is everyone? Uh, they're all down by the pool. But once you move away from the pool, then, yeah. The, it the, is. The, That's the, so true. The diversity of space. The, the, to answer your first question, yeah, 200 acres in total is the land size. The parcel that we sit on is about 50 acres in total. So yeah, that's 200-odd wow. villas spread out over the 50 acres. There's plenty of open spaces as part of that facility as well amongst the pools and then we're right on the beach of course so you've also got the benefit of being able to get to the beach. Yeah that's amazing. So in terms of performance um, you talked about you know since opening the the hotel uh, the property has really outperformed I guess anticipated results can you would you say that or it is I guess what you planned and then I guess during COVID it's outperformed or outstripped what you expected? Yeah, definitely. The, um, the, the performance that we projected back in the, before the development phase have been achieved, but they were just achieved a bit faster than what we anticipated. So as we called it, our ramping up to get to that stabilisation period just happened a lot quicker than we, than we planned it to happen. Um, and as a result of that, we did have to do a lot of modifications and we did some improvements, we did some enhancements um, throughout the, that journey just to make sure that the capacity that we were dealing with could be managed as best as we as we could. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, COVID came along and sort of took the wind out of our sails, as it did with everyone, of mm. course. Mm. Um, we went through a hibernation phase or exactly a caretaking phase. We didn't physically close the that property. Was gonna, did you have to close? No. No, we kept it open. And fortunately for us, I think the big plus is we're a family-owned business, and so we had the benefit of our family that owns us. Um, that wanted to contribute and keep the business open and trading predominantly to keep paying the staff That's and amazing. that was the yeah. yeah that was the key to it we had 70 staff that were continually employed throughout that whole period put jobkeeper aside um, because that was more a wage subsidy for us rather mm, than sure. a um, rather than a sort of a, a, a you know a, a tool to, to you know to keep people working but we worked them for whatever they were already planned to work so it cost us more than what the jobkeeper um, provided us. Uh, so that allowed us to do quite a bit of work to the property. So yeah. we had chefs working out in the grounds and we had all sorts of projects oh, going fantastic. on. So and they loved it, yeah. And a lot of those guys were, um, some of them are working holiday visas that have been with us um, for an extended period of time. So of course they weren't going to get any benefits outside of yeah, being right. paid by us. Um, we had a lot of sponsorship. We had a lot of the partner visas. We had a variety of different yeah. visas that infiltrate our businesses. Um, so that was really important that those guys were able to keep an income stream. So how long? So that went on for a couple months. And yeah, then... it was about three months in all. It was the twenty third of March. I remember distinctly sitting there one day. Um, we had a meeting on a Friday, and it was our owners' meeting. And I was making the comment about you know what the implications of COVID might be on the business, and we were so focused on how much impact it was going to have on the conference sector that Rather we really than, didn't yeah, well. think about the retail or the leisure sector. 
And by that Tuesday, I was sitting down laying off all the casual staff that obviously had to, um, that didn't, hadn't been with us long enough to maintain. maintain. Um, So, yeah, it happened so, so quickly. And then so in terms of reopening, you know, you've had a crazy busy period, particularly with the border closures were almost a huge benefit to the property in some respects because it was sort of the furthest north that I guess Sydney siders could, could go. Get. Is that true? And yeah, you know, I have you seen the some benefits, I guess, of this period and, and how has it performed against sort of same time last year? Yeah, so when we reopened back on the 17th of June, we actually only opened with suppressed inventory because we were really concerned about the restrictions that were in place on the food and beverage areas yeah. in the public spaces and how that. much of an impact that would have mm. on someone's enjoyment of the facilities. So we did suppress inventory in order to um, to manage those expectations the best that we could. Yeah. And I'm glad we did because it also allowed the business time to build again and recalibrate. Um, once we uh, got to the end of September, we opened all our inventory and the minute we opened all our inventory, mm-hmm. we were just swamped. So we went from uh, running at 60 to 70% was our chosen number prior to that point. Right. And then we jumped to 100% overnight and it's stayed there ever since. So 1st of October. Midweek as well. Every day, every day of the week. Day. Every day of the week. Yeah. yeah. There's no difference in the day of the week yeah. for us now. Which is not what we've heard a lot in the previous ones. So that's why I just want to confirm that. It's seven Definitely. days a week. Yeah. Seven days a week. Um, so it's <laughs> Which been... takes its toll, right? Yeah, <laughs> look, it does. It, like it creates a whole other set of challenges. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, fundamentally, the you know, the, from a from a performance point of view, it's fantastic. Yes. So five million people, you know, the demographic of Sydney, um, and pretty much all of them probably wanted to be in Byron Bay if they could have been. <laughs> of course. Uh, so Byron became you know, super spot. popular, mm. uber popular as they call it. Yeah. Uh, and then we saw the benefit of that because, you know, we're, we're already primed. Our marketing was already in, in play. Everyone knew that we were there. So it was just a case of how do we book them. Um, so we had to control inventory quite well. We had a lot of uh, – we, we only took bookings directly to the property – um, and we had that famous question that um, we couldn't get any inventory. We couldn't book you online. Oh. Um, so you so how? Your how can case. I book? Yeah. I book? So how do I book? <laughs> where, where can I get a reservation? We can't. You're full. Are you sure you're full? <laughs> yeah, we're pretty sure. <laughs> Definitely sure. We've got a big wait list though. So yeah, we've had a wait list system running, wow. and that's right through now. We've got the same projections right through to uh, at this stage. It's looking like middle to end of February. That's amazing. That's that a great is. result. Yeah. And so what does 2021 look like currently with business on books? Is it performing or tracking quite well? Yeah, look, the, um, what, what, I pres- what I predict is that with the international borders being closed, um, properties like Aston Destinations, like Byron, will continue to benefit from regional tourism and domestic mm. tourism. Uh, so that will continue on in the sort of similar vein. It'll be interesting once we hit winter because traditionally Byron is not the chosen destination in winter. Yeah, um, but if you can't go anywhere else. But if you can't get anywhere else and you're looking for mm. something that can give you what, what it is that you're looking for, then, yeah, I, I, I think we will be much busier in winter than what we have been previous years. We probably won't be running at full. We probably won't have oversupply yeah. um, in the demand area, but um, it's certainly going to be a busy period. Well, so when you were sorry, you were looking at your predictions, and you said you were focused on events, and then we talked a lot about. So is that as events picked up for twenty twenty one as well? Is that gone? 
Uh, no, the, the events market is a little bit very, very different. So yep. what we're finding is that we've still got people out there doing um, the preliminary work and investigating it, but um, trying to put someone to contract at the Conversion. moment is, is, yep, not, is not coming to fruition. But okay. in saying that, that's a little bit of us too because we can't give them the inventory, particularly for the oh, early yeah, part of the year. Yep. So people are trying to get some business in and even it's a small business in that uh, February-March period. Um, but Still we just challenge. can't give them the volume yeah. of inventory that yeah. they're looking for. That's a good problem to have, though. It is, it say, is yeah. but it also it, it disconnects us a little bit from that from that sector. Market. So we've got to be very careful there. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just wanted to touch on that because there's so many so many properties in this event space. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to, um, I guess, the focus of today's podcast is is talking about customer service and I uh, guest guest experience and something that I guess I know that you're very passionate about. Mm. Um, you know, this has certainly changed over the past 10 years. The shift, of, it, the shift is moving from great customer service to creating a great customer experience. I guess it runs deeper than just, guess, you know, us using guest names and knowing what they like to drink. You know, what's your take on that and what have you seen in terms of this shift? Yeah, what a great question. Let's unpack that one, <laughs> hey, because we could go on this for quite a while. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, look, my, my take particularly on that subject line, is the customer always right, is it's, it's such a cliche and it's such an old-fashioned cliche that I think it's time to bury it now and put it aside. Um, it certainly doesn't take from the need to deliver fantastic customer service and do the things right. But what we find and what I find, it's it's all about compatibility. Yep. And it's really and truly about identifying what you're good at, what your offering is, how you want to be perceived, which area of the market you want to prevail in yeah. and then building your processes around that so that everyone in your business and understands what it is that you do and there's no disconnect between your staff and between your management and being your, between your processes of what you do and how you're going to do that. Um, so for me, it is really about compatibility, looking at what you do, looking at how you do it, defining it really, really well and making sure your staff are fully across that and are also supportive of that. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Levart. Levart aims to empower every property with the ability to disrupt the dominance of online travel agents and transform direct into their most attractive and popular booking channel. And so I, I thought of you the other day um, because there was a LinkedIn post um, by a hotel owner titled Hospitality People Have Feelings Too. Um, and I loved it. It said, attention hotel guests, hotel staff are people with feelings too. Please stop making us feel like we are less than you. Please stop yelling us, or yelling at us when you don't get your own way. Mm -hmm. And please stop treating us like we are your slaves. Yeah. What are what, your thoughts on that? Look, um, bold, <laughs> um, but true. I think absolutely true. Because, you know, you only had to look around over the last few months and look at the, the you, you know, a lot of those essential service type businesses, Woolworths, Coles, Bunnings, you know, all the ones that have a large demographic of people going to it. And the first thing you started to see, and I certainly saw that in my local areas, is about please treat the staff with respect. Yeah. Please yeah. don't blame the yeah. staff for the circumstances of which they are needing to operate under. Yes. And I think that was really important. And so in a hotel environment, it's a little bit different. 
Um, some say we're not an essential services, but I'm starting to think that's being challenged now. Well, certainly because with wellness, you know, the people, you know, mm. in this whole concept of taking time out and, you know, um, resetting yeah, look, absolutely. And look, you know, digressing a little bit there, we, we put together a wellness package uh, late last year in order to fill our midweek um, arrival. So we made it very prescriptive. You could only buy it on an arrival on a Sunday and check out on a Friday because it was filling the gaps or that traditional weekend midweek business that we were, were lacking in on some of those um, non-peak periods. And we kept that running through this period and it's gone just unbelievable demand on it so much so that it's made friday and sundays our two biggest day in terms of turnover at the hotel (laughs) we create a rod for our own back yeah everything amazing you've got got the got the opposite side to it well that's and that's a really good point when it comes to customer service because everything you do does have a ripple effect or a side effect and 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 the thing that you know will catch every business out if they have not properly planned for what they're going to do and how they're going to achieve it is that if you do start to break the chain of command or you start to break the momentum of of what that business is trying to achieve you then find that things go wrong very very quickly yeah because the process has been interrupted by someone that's demanding something that's not part of what you ordinarily offer mm. and then suddenly you've got staff frantically trying to appease that of course. and the net effect is everyone else in your business is suffers yeah because they get forgotten about yeah, yeah. and it, is that right you know, should mm. is that what we should be doing, doing. i exactly. believe no i believe no because it's about making sure that you're looking after the majority, you're looking after the people that are important to you and, of course, the ones that are cooperating and working in the boundaries of what you offer Mm. get wonderful guest experience and go away having a fantastic Mm. time. But I always find it interesting because people say to me, why would you be that person that continues to complain because why would people want to look after you? So it's almost counterproductive. So if you're that squeaky wheel... And the constant guest that's complaining or is not happy, your knee-jerk reaction or your natural instinct is almost to retract from that situation and not provide them with the most amazing experience. Yeah, that's very true. And and when but you look they at don't, maybe they don't know that. <laughs> well, this is our problem, right? <laughs> Hence, why we're having this conversation. Yeah, I think you have to delve a little deeper into what's going on with that person. And I think there's probably more to that story than what you're seeing on the surface. Um, you know, so there's a lot more happening and, um, I, you know, I, I, we, we, we hear it a little bit now where, you know, people are um, expressively sort of making us aware of the tough time they've had over the last 12 months um, under these COVID conditions. Mm. Um, but there is a complete filter over the top of that that they don't realise that we've been through exactly the same. We've Hello, experienced... I'm a human too. Yeah, I've that's right. And, and, of and, here and I've know, been through this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That poor old staff member that's standing mm. there in front of the situation trying to diffuse something and, you know, inside them, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're feeling the emotions that they've also had to Deal with maybe... the same situation yeah, yeah, yeah exactly absolutely. and so they have to maintain being professional you know in that situation but then the customer doesn't so has this been an increase because you are so busy well Look, let's well let's maybe talk about that the added yeah. pressures of yeah. covid and what it's created from that guest experience perspective 
and again maybe some of the challenges that your team have experienced over the last eight months and I know you know you've talked about some of those in terms of that added pressure them them having to deal with their own personal circumstances and then you know these guests are checking in and expecting um, you know I guess that's something different or something outside the box. Yeah look and for us it's really about making the staff um, giving them resilience and and we actually worked on this well before COVID it was one of our training programs we did last year which was a resilience program where we you know we looked at the sort of factors that that create um, conflict or create situations that um, you know if they're not handled well can you know turn into a, a, a scenario that gets quite confrontational or so resilience training was one of our big things in our business to give the staff that mm. tool because it is a tool for them because they are going through their own stuff and of course when they've got to put the put the put the smile on their face and go about their job in a service capacity um, you know if they've got good resilience training behind them they'll be able to cope with those situations so we found that very useful yeah that's great so talking about, um, yeah, the COVID and how that's affected the operation, look, out, uh, going back to what I said earlier on about compatibility, for us it was about really making sure that every guest arriving with us had an understanding of what that experience was going to be mm. and how it had changed. Um, we've had a lot of scenarios where people have stayed with us well before in the past yep. and make comparisons. Yeah. And that's a really tough yeah, one because... Definitely. How do you live up to that? <clears throat> because it's different circumstances. Correct. Yeah. So there's... So, um, you know, once I step inside the hotel, once I've transacted with the hotel, <clears throat> I probably... There's, there's a degree of people that will think that COVID doesn't apply because the hotel sorted it out because that's what hotels do. Right. Yes. But that's where your business is trying to be all things to all people and that's a really important thing to say you can never be all things to all people because you don't have unlimited resources you don't want to pit your staff off against management by having inconsistencies in your processes Mm -hmm. and what you do and what you expect of them so it's really important to um to make sure that the compatibilities are dealt with we 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 started it we had to modify it because you can never educate a guest into what they should get or what they're going to get but as long as you can make them clear and you can be concise about what it is so for us in new south wales we had quite onerous restrictions particularly upon densities in the public spaces which covered the pools it covered the restaurants Key areas in your resort Key areas that people that want to hang out in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Even from check-in. So on a busy check-in day, what, yeah. does, that, what does the lobby look Tension. like? <laughs> and, and, and managing the expectation of someone that does want to get in early because they get a more a longer day, for instance, you know, check-in time, 3 o'clock, but mm-hmm. I'm rocking up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Cause hoping to get my room early, of <laughs> Hoping course. to get that early room, of course, and if not, can I just go and sit by the pool? Well... No, under the capacity issues we had, mm. we had to sort of separate that because um, it, it, we would over, we'd have over capacities yes, to deal yep. with. So we had a lot of those regulations that we had to enforce and that, of course, created a level of dissatisfaction. So our process was to make sure that every guest coming to us knew that in advance. We had articulated it on our website. We'd made it very clear. We also sent a secondary confirmation about two weeks before they arrived. Yeah, people don't read. 
Well, what, a, as a marketer, enough, I'm like, oh my god, people don't read. Yeah, what we did, what we, what we did in that to make to get to make had, people to read. make people read is we made it look something? really fluffy and very nice. The no, but what we did is we called upon some information that we need from them, and that was very particular about are you travelling with anybody? We need their names. It's right. an it's so a they mandatory had to form requirement. An action. So they formed an action as yeah. part of that action discussions would come up with our res team about some Great. of these things and yeah. of course we were able to sort of communicate mm. them in that way so mm. that did work for us and i think that you know for a large portion of our demographic and our audience they did get that message they did hear it they did note it mm. now whether they wanted to exercise <laughs> it and, and deal with it, it, deal with yeah. it on the day was <laughs> different but and what about from a, I guess, a food and beverage offering perspective? So to touch on the capacity with, you know, obviously in terms of your restaurant, um, you know, in terms of that supply chain, and was that affected people cancelling, you know, last minute or not showing up for reservations and the impact on other guests, again, because of that restriction around capacity? Yeah, so um, for us, we had to be, we had to take a fairly aggressive move and, you um, reduce the number of external people that could dine in our restaurant and quite often we had a lot of externals who would come in for break, uh, right. lunch and dinners yeah. but we had to um, restrict that completely because we had to make space available for the hotel guests so that had its own set of challenges because people that again had been buyer and coming to the restaurant for a long time and couldn't just understand why they weren't allowed in anymore um, but it was all about first in and prioritizing the hotel mm. guest yeah. breakfast in the morning was probably where we saw the most um, challenges and changes because the good old traditional running a hotel buffet is done for many reasons and you can make it good, it can be average, but we felt ours was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and it was all about giving people flexibility so that they could be available, they could come at any time. It wasn't so prescriptive um, and there was flexibility and then the time they spent was always available in terms of a quick feed and get out or sure. linger for longer. Yeah. Um, but, of course, with the buffet mm -hmm. thing, that was the mm -hmm. biggest challenge of turning into an a la carte breakfast. And it's interesting, when I look back last year, you know, every now and again we'd have a comment on our guest questionnaires saying, you know, I really wish you could do a a la carte Cuts. style breakfast yeah. like the local cafe does because you often get compared to... Yes. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're not a local cafe and we don't operate like that because we can't because it's just not the volumes are different. Um, but um, we you know, had to force our hand and move to a nulla carte style breakfast. And how has that actual transition been? Because I've heard varying uh, opinions, you know, some that are actually, you know, um, almost now going, okay, this is going to be our standard offering. We're not going to go back to the buffet style. Yep. You know, we've found ways to navigate this. It's actually more efficient, less wastage, um, obviously more labour intensive because you've got people bringing it out and also from a kitchen perspective. Where are you seeing that? Um, and, and has that changed or shifted for you? Uh, look, I, I think overall it's more expensive. Yeah, when yep. I when you package it all up between the food cost and the labour cost in the kitchens and the extra service staff you need to facilitate it in a in a way that is um, you know achieving your brand standards. Yep. For us, it's become a more expensive exercise, and I think most people would appreciate having the buffet back because not yep. from a price we didn't change the price we kept it the same, yes. but from a convenience side of it the buffets do work well mm. you got to do them well i agree they've mm. got to be done well yeah um but if you do do them well i think they are the the, the go-to because every time you get compared to a local cafes I, I and i often spend time sort of calibrating some of our guests <laughs> i'm sure um, you do 
In a very... Um, in a very diplomatic way. Of course. Um, but, of course, it's, you know, comparing to a cafe, they spread their business out over mm. a long duration of time and you go there looking for something very specific, whereas when you're in a hotel, you know, you, you, your demographic is so broad, you have to be you quite diverse. Have, yeah, and if you want that, then just go to the local cafe and enjoy exactly. the cafe. Exactly. Well, it's a different <laughs> exactly. offering, right? That's what it's yeah. all about. So let's <clears throat> talk social media. So the mm. customer... We've talked about the customer may not always be right... Um, in your view, but they are armed with social media now. Have you managed to navigate social media? Are you able to give us some, I guess, some recent examples? And and the reason I raise that is because I've seen some recent examples in New South Wales um, earlier this year where actually a motelier charged a guest $50 for leaving an unfavourable review and would not refund that until the review was removed. Um, and again, you know, there's these common issues with um, particularly in the apartment space um, with cleaning and guests not being informed and then putting comments on reviews but they've booked an on-service rate and they're up in arms because their room wasn't cleaned. So I guess everyone's now armed with social media. What's your take on that and how have you been able to navigate that in a diplomatic way? Yeah, no, great question. And, And look, we don't get a lot of social media comments, you know, the typical platforms that do criticise your service. We don't see a lot of that. But on the flip side, we don't see the reverse of that too where it's very complimentary. So it's more, for us it seems, we we get a lot less commentary than a lot of other properties. So I think that's fundamentally down to we've got mechanisms in place while people are in-house to to format and communicate with us. So we use a platform when they do check in and they first sign on to their Wi-Fi that it just opens up the dialogue to say, look, is there anything not quite Let's right for you? Right now. Let's deal with mm, this here and perfect. now. Mm. And and what I find is that's probably we're getting it live while they're there. And you can deal with it. And we can right deal with it yep. and solve it and, and resolution and or recalibrate their expectations. And our mm. guys do that. Our duty managers are trained to, you know, if they do get a comment about something that we can't offer or deliver, and quite often the old cliche of, I'll pass that on to management and we'll look at that next time we're having a department head meeting, <laughs> which is sure you're going to. <laughs> yeah. You say um, that to everyone. Yeah, that's so, – so what we do is we just go back and say, look, we've considered that in the past. It doesn't work for us. We, You know, it's not what we're trying to do. So we do try and be upfront and really um, open those levels of dialogue so that there is a, a degree of understanding. And w- it works. I yeah. think if you're honest – and you're up front, mm. it does work. you just got to do it right, of course. Yeah. And that's where the resilience training that I talked about earlier on plays a really important role because it allows the staff member to do it without emotion that's and without great. being impacted yeah, by getting, how like, they're emotionally being... emotionally invested in it. Correct. Yeah, Correct. yeah which is and, so good. And I guess um, in terms of this educate, educating our guests, you know, how do we... I guess talk. <laughs> Do we be as direct as that <laughs> LinkedIn post Look, that you said you know, before? Gone like, are the days where we used to go to a hotel to have a better experience than maybe some of our own homes. You know, the TVs were bigger, the beds were bigger. You know, that's not necessarily the case anymore. Often no. you'll check into a hotel and the TV it's is smaller less. than you know <laughs> than your own home. And yeah. I guess our expectations from the moment we arrive in some in some particular properties have not been met from the outset. You know, so it's almost you going into and we do that, but what are, what is everybody looking for? And I guess, like you said before, it's every customer is different. But how do we educate our guests 
yeah. as an industry. Yeah, that's right. Because I think what's happened over many, many, many years, um, you've got a, a, a mentality, particularly, and and I, I, I say that I've, I've worked in the corporate organisations and the large institutional-based management businesses where you've got a head office that dictates and controls a lot of the outcomes that happen at property level. Uh, so you, property's not allowed traditionally to be an individual and deal with those scenarios so they've got to take the toe the line toe the company approach mm. our business and for me i've i've now moved and as i said in my bio at the beginning i've been working for family-owned businesses more so over the last 10 15 years yeah. and um i've found that the great opportunity to do exactly what you talk about where you can be a little less prescriptive you can be less you can be a little bit more dynamic in your engagement with your guests to make them sort of a little bit of aware that you know it's you, you can't be all things to all people and everyone has a perception that when I step into the to the belly of the hotel, the hotel will serve me and provide for me whatever I want mm-hmm. them to provide, and that mm-hmm. is my expectation. But the reality is, if that is your expectation, you're going to come away disappointed because that's not what hotels are. They all differ. You've got to really pick and choose. And I think if people are driven by price when they are making their which buying decision, <laughs> then yeah, that's where that comes from a lot of the times. Um, so how can we? I think as an industry, we got to you know you got to take those approaches of saying it's not about trying to price compete with your competitor. It's about making sure that what your product is, you stay true to it, and then you. Um, deliver on what that is so you, you don't ever get into a, splay, a place of over-promising and then under-delivering. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. <laughs> yeah, look, and it's not easy because you're not going to educate the guest. And, you know, we're, we're finding now... <laughs> yeah, you're not going to educate them, so... <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Just like, let's be honest. <laughs> that's, and that's right, it is. So, you know, you, you've got to be solutions-based. Yeah. So you've got to find a ways that it works for your business. And what works in our business is not necessarily you can't replicate that across mm, to someone course. else's mm. business because no, like you said earlier on you know the cleaning and you know buying a room that doesn't have cleaning included and then being disappointed when you didn't get housekeeping on the day and then everyone's scratching their heads going well, why is that a problem I thought we told you so obviously it was not clear enough yeah. or it didn't didn't resonate with them um, or they just think that because they go to a hotel, again, all things mm. to all people, therefore yes. that's what I should have got. Mm. Correct. So yeah. much of what you said throughout this whole session is communication. Yeah, yeah. communication, compatibility, yeah. Yeah, destination definitely. compatibility and product compatibility and articulating that. And um, I think, again, going to, you know, generic websites where, you know, fit your information into a prescribed box isn't necessarily mm. going to paint the right picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find when we deal with a guest direct through our own website or through our own booking channels, which is direct to property, yeah. we don't have that problem. Of course you don't. When they're booked through yep. third-party sites, that's, when, yep. the issue that's when the issue starts because I compared it to the one above mm-hmm. me who was offering this. I bought you because you're cheaper, but I want the services of that one. Mm-hmm. There we go. It comes back to the age old thing. Just stop using OTAs, guest. <laughs> so we're just going to wrap up. We're just going to wrap Direct up. Direct is always best. <laughs> we're not going to go there now. Mm. Um, I guess you've, you've 30 years in here. What What's your most memorable guest experience to finish off this great episode? That, that's a really hard one because okay. I, 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 there are so many and unfortunately I don't retain them. 
and I don't want to make one up and pretend that we have this. Okay. But so I drew upon one that just happened in the last week, and and I thought that's probably probably resonates. It's um, I got an email from a guest, and they were very complimentary about a staff member, and I get a lot of that, you know, because that's what we do, and. Mm-hmm. They single out reception, they single out someone in food and beverage, they might single out their housekeeping staff. But on this occasion, it was the landscape gardener. And so I had to take a second look at this and I went, what? What? How? And of course, what happened was he had an engagement with a family that had a four-year-old daughter and he gave them a bit of knowledge on lemon myrtles and some of the um, some of the vegetation that grows naturally around the resort of where they were currently walking so it was an it was an unplanned interaction and um, the, the, the the customer the guest was was so appreciative of this little dialogue that took place between one of our landscape gardeners and his four-year-old daughter so he felt he needed to share that and so that was really important and I we have a mechanism in our business to um, communicate with all our staff via an app and so I will always of every single guest questionnaire or any forum where we get a guest compliment a staff member I'll always send them a direct message on this on our platform to say you know Gabby Daniels just stayed and she had a wonderful time and this is what she said about you and I'll give them the, the verbatim of that. Yeah, that and but, so and, I, but it's, they're so important because it's that recognition and, and, you know, I guess one of those needs as a, a human being is to be recognised, um, you know, from a staff member perspective, they must love that as well. Yeah, and as soon as I sent it to him, he, he texted me back and he said, hmm, he said, they're a really lovely family. Thank you for passing that on. Good manners doesn't cost anything, does it? <laughs> Al's coming from a landscaper gardener who has no hospitality background experience but enjoys what he does. So that was my memorable experience that I've had recently. Great. Thank you. Thanks for being with us in the studio today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to learn more about us and the guests, check out our website, letstalktourism.today, which you can find simply in the show notes.